So you were working as a lawyer during the day and a DJ during the night. <laughs> Even though we're all in different industries, you can learn so much from mm -hmm. what other people are going through. And with certain size businesses, you have very similar issues. What tip do we, can you give all of us to sort of growing um, exponentially like you did? Just kind of worked through that fear by forcing myself to do something I didn't want to do. How many lunch orders so did I get? So if you do five, yes, you get a, you lunch, get a lunch order, order. on Friday. On Friday. Oh, wow. Yeah. Is it working? It's working. Like a treat. Welcome to the Sisters That Slay podcast featuring Mim, Fez and Beef, also known as Miriam, Talitha and Ferial. We are three sisters building our mini sister empire and bringing you on the journey. We're passionate about learning and growing from those that have been there, done that, ticked the box, won the prize and have the scar. Real people, real stories, we uncover their secrets to how they are living their best lives and push through their lows. Dream the impossible and make it your reality. One life, the critics, you've got a sisterhood that want to see you slay. Hello everyone and welcome. We are live today in the pod booth with one, I see, I say every woman is amazing, but I, this woman is totally amazing and her, it is a one and only Sarah Bartholomew. Hi Miriam. Wow, you have the best radio voice. I know, I'm just looking for a photo of myself as a DJ for you. Okay, yes, I've just discovered Sarah was a DJ in her former life. A wedding DJ. Wow. It was a very joyful job. Lots of joy with the weddings, of course. Exactly. Yeah. Now, Sarah is, was not only a DJ, she is an entrepreneur, a lawyer, an award winner, like any award probably you've won it or been nominated um, and has... You've got your own successful business, you're a mum, and there are so many things. I'm so excited to be interviewing you. Thank you for coming along. Thanks for having me. And to get started, I want to hear your favourite childhood celebrity crush. Oh, I yeah. had a hashtag girl crush yes. on Kylie Minogue. I loved her. Awesome. I collected pictures of her and had over a thousand. Yeah. Um, and I still love her today. Favourite Kylie song? Oh, better the devil you know. Awesome. Now I want you to sing the first five words of your go-to song. So whenever I do a public presentation, yes. not like this, more like in front of people who yeah. are sitting in front of me, I always sing, just a small town girl living in a lonely world. Don't stop believing. Wow. And you go the whole way. I'm and, a glee fan. And you do like Actions as well. I like don't in really the background do actions. Or? No, mainly when I'm doing my makeup or in the car on the way there. Oh, it's not okay. safe to do. So no one's like you haven't got sprung like doing it. No, but backstage. one of my highlights from the last few years was meeting the main singer of actual band Journey, which that song's by. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, I kind of stalked him for a selfie, it was, and he was so nice and so humble about it. Yeah. Wow. Mm. And what are you currently obsessed by? I'm currently obsessed by running. I'm trying to run. <laughs> yes. A half marathon. The furthest I've ever run so far is 13 kilometres. A half marathon's over 21, 21.1 Ks. Yeah. And I mean, 
like I hate running. I'm mm. probably like not in a good mindset about it. Mm-hmm. Um, like you hate, you love running. Like how did- I've started to love running and I've started to identify myself as a runner. Oh, wow. I know. So you're like, yeah, you love it now. It's, it's your passion. Sort of. Yeah. It's hard. Awesome. And quote that you live by. A quote that I live by, I um, I love this one and I found this very early in my entrepreneurial journey and I've got to read it because it's quite long. For a seed to achieve its greatest expression, it must come completely undone. The shell cracks, its insides come out, and everything changes. To someone who doesn't understand growth, it would look like complete destruction. Wow. Love it. So as you grow as an entrepreneur and as a person, you you do change, and it often does feel like everything that you ever knew comes completely undone. And that's just a great reminder that that's also what happens in nature. Yeah. And so tell us, how did your entrepreneurial journey begin? When, where did the growth start? Mm, growth started when I got made redundant at 32 weeks pregnant. I was working in a corporate role and my job in that role was to sell non-core assets to pay down debt of the company. And I just happened to sell the largest and final asset when I was seven months pregnant. So it wasn't a surprise that I lost my job, but it wasn't a great time. I already had a toddler at home and I just thought, what's next? Do I wait until the baby's born and get a job in six months' time and just use this time? or? I had one client who wanted to work with us or with me for two days a week and at that stage that seemed pretty good. I couldn't sit down for long periods of time because I was pregnant and so started working with that one client and I loved it. I loved working from home Mm -hmm. and having the flexibility and when Nicola was born uh, I took six weeks off. That was over Christmas and so good timing. And then I went back to work when she was asleep, basically. So <laughs> that, was, that was how it started. Any tips for working from home with little kids around? Uh, have a husband who's also at home. I think yeah. that was yes. really helpful if I was in the flow of something or on a call. There was always backup there. Yeah, I know when I had a similar, I started my business at home with babies and my mum would come round and help so that I could go, like, so that I could separately do the work. Mm. Otherwise, it's just sometimes a little bit, like, too hard. And as they get older, it gets even harder. Yeah. When did you make the journey from not working from home to sort of going to an office or um, was there that journey to make or? Yeah, I worked I tried working in cafes and in the library and found that I needed a space that wasn't at home that uh, someone else was buying the milk and and tea and um when how how long ago was that I can't even remember um, maybe after about a year yeah um, when we started exponentially growing yeah. and I needed to to have that separation yes understand. And what's one thing that you wish you had known when you started out in your business? Uh, Good question. Revenue's vanity, profit is sanity. (laughs) Love it. (laughs) 
<laughs> now, you did win um, some awards fairly quickly on growth. Tell us um, what awards you won, uh, ran, uh, won and then what um, tips do you have on growing so quickly? I won a Telstra Business Women's Award after about a year and a half. We've yeah. grown 400% year on year and uh, had quite a good team by then and felt very supported by them. So that was great. Uh, and I won a, so that was a great award to win because it was the business community saying, hey, you're onto something, mm. you're on a different model and, and it seems to be working. And then a year later, I won a Thought Leader Award at the Women in Law Awards um, run by Lawyers Weekly. And that was like the profession saying, hey, maybe you're onto something. Yeah. So it took a year for them to catch up, but Law's a very traditional business and yes. so uh, anything that challenges the, the status quo tends to take a little while to, to get take up. Yeah. So what tip do you – do you think yours was sort of a unique growth or what tip do we can you give all of us to sort of growing um, exponentially like yeah, you did? I think for me as a lawyer I'm really interested in the operations and the procedures and policies and – one thing I think I realised was that I was being the COO of the business yeah. and to grow quickly you have to be the CEO, which mm -hmm. means that you do focus on things that are uncomfortable for you and for me that was sales. Like Lawyers don't like to sell things, we just want to help people and actually realising that without working on how to get more clients, you don't have a business. Yeah. So, and a lot of I think women particularly are scared of sales mm. and/or scared of yeah asking Rejection that yeah or... asking that question. What tip? How did you like? Were you natural in sales, or how did you sort of um, advance your sales skills? I don't know if I have, but what I do, what I did was I started making I, what I hated doing. I had incredible call reluctance. I didn't want to call people back after they'd asked for a quote. And so I started doing 10 before 10, 10 calls before 10 every day. And now I'm not afraid of the phone. So just kind of worked through that fear by forcing myself to do something I didn't want to do before a certain time of the day. Wow. So these were 10 warm contacts or like you'd met or? Mostly warm, but I was still terrified of calling people I already knew. Yeah. Okay. So the 10 before 10, mm. let's do it. And are you still you're still involved in sales now, or what's your role in the business now? So I do a lot of that um, first client contact mm -hmm. through our referral networks. So that's probably my main role, and and just keeping everything moving. Yeah. Now you said it beautifully. Uh, so your business. Tell us a little bit about your business and the types of clients that you work with. We work with clients that have a purpose that's higher than profit. Mm -hmm. And we developed that as a team after doing a very big transaction for a corporate client where we didn't know who the owners were and we didn't, um, after the transaction, all of our client contacts who we had worked so hard with for a year all left the business. Okay. So it felt like we'd done all this work and we had done a lot of work and so we'd made money out of it, but it just felt hollow at the end mm -hmm. and after that we regrouped as a team and thought like who is it that we do want to help um, and we wanted to help people who help people 
Yeah, wow. And so that's how that purpose got built into the business where Mm -hmm. we want to protect people who have a purpose as well. And so what are the cool types of clients that you work with? What what are the aspirational or purpose sort of things that they're doing in their they business? They do. They, we have a client that um, wants to help family businesses be more successful. Mm-hmm. We have a client who, gosh, we, we don't usually talk about clients, so I'm uh, now racking my brain, uh, who wants to light the world Um different clients that, lots of clients that work in the allied health and medical space. Mm -hmm. So we feel like they help people extremely directly and and so we get a lot out of working with them. Uh, A bunch of different not-for-profits and for-purpose entities as well, which is really good. Yeah, you're a bit of a guru in um, the medical space and seem to go to a lot of the conferences. You do a lot of speaking, so you love that aspect as well. Yeah, I just find that I I love those clients and so I also want to work with people that we love working with Mm -hmm. uh, and they just seem to have personalities where they they really – can take guidance, they, they want help, they know what they're expert in and they know what they're not expert in and so people who will be guided uh, rather than just want to do their own thing, uh, that's a lot more satisfying for us to be able to help people who want to be helped. Yeah, I can definitely relate to working with people that you love. Mm. Like business is so tough sometimes um, that to know that you're working with people that you love and they're doing amazing things, mm. it's like, don't waste time on just clients that can just yeah they do you, have you what's your experience with nasty clients have you how have you managed those ones i think i i think you can't be afraid to fire clients that aren't matches with you so yeah. we've always had very strong values mm-hmm. and been very open about those we hire for values and it probably took me a couple of years to work out when people weren't a match with those. Yep. So I probably worked with some people too long where they weren't a match. Yeah. Uh, and now we just don't take them on. We we can't help them. So we yep. refer them to people who can. It totally drains your energy, resources, time, everything, working with those clients that don't li- align. What is your favourite value in your business? We have, I, I, I love them all. <laughs> So our values are fresh, thoughtful, love and unstoppable. Awesome. Great. Love it. (laughs) Now, we all love to talk about successes and wins. Tell us so we can just at least relate to you a little bit. I'm joking. Um, Tell us something that you have failed at. Give us Ah, something. I feel like I often jump into things too quickly in terms of um, new software in the business or um, something like that. Uh, so, yeah, the first practice management system that I chose was a massive failure. It cost a fortune. Mm-hmm. I had everyone trained on it. And then the way that the business developed, it just didn't work. Yeah. So we had to let it go and move on to something else that was going to work better. So I do think in business you fail all the time. Yes. Uh, it's just little stepping stones that create that pathway forward the fail forward yeah exactly was the first software like a non-cloud-based software it was a non-cloud-based software (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> which is very typical in the accounting and in the legal sphere. Now, not so much as cloud. Mm. Every, like I do, will not do anything that is not cloud-based, no. but when you're starting out. Didn't know. Yeah. That's it. There you go. So um, now I know Sarah personally as well. And uh, actually, I didn't know you t- in the beginning. Um, you're like someone that had, you'd... I came about knowing you because of your the, you getting in the 40 under 40. Oh, really? Yeah. So it flashed up that you were the goddess of governance. I know. Yeah. So getting to know you, you're actually an amazing person. People think of a lawyer as just, yeah, you're not a typical lawyer at all. So surprised at how approachable you were. Um, and getting to know you, one of the things, one of the crazy things that you've done is year, a year of giving up. Um, do you want to tell everyone just <laughs> how that came about? Some of the crazy things that you've done, what you've learned from that? Sure. So a couple of years ago, I was we go on a summer holiday to Mount Hotham after Christmas usually, yes. and um, Mount Hotham's beautiful. There's no snow, obviously, in summer. It's all about the wildflowers and um, long walks in the hills. But I was reading an article about a woman who gave up shopping for a year. So she didn't buy clothes for a year, and it was like the 30th of December, and I thought, I've got a lot of clothes. I could probably try that. Yeah, wow. So I did. I didn't buy any new or secondhand clothes for 12 months, Mm -hmm. two years ago. Uh, No jewellery, no underwear, no socks, anything. I had plenty. Did you stack up on like undies before? It was too late. Uh, It was the 30th of December when I decided to do that. Okay. So I got gifts as birthday presents. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and people what? felt sorry for me, I think. Um, but it was, it has changed how I shop now. Mm-hmm. I don't, I used to browse um, online stores before I'd go to bed or yep. on the weekends. I'd go shopping and just walk around the shops and look at shops. Every time I would be traveling, I would make sure there was a day for shopping. I'm just not interested in doing that now. Yeah. I'm more interested in clothes for functional purposes mm-hmm. rather than for entertainment, I think. Yeah, and I like that you also, you're not afraid of op shops and I think it's that whole philosophy around the op shop that you... Yeah, that slow slow fashion, mm-hmm. basically. I If I'm shopping in an op shop, I look for brands that I wouldn't spend the money on ordinarily um, because... I'm stingy, I suppose. <laughs> Not stingy. You are good with your money. You are uh, good with money. So, yeah, that um, there's just such a crazy consumer culture for fast fashion at the moment yeah. that I'm I'm trying to do the opposite. I often try and do the opposite of what everything everyone else is doing and, and see what happens. Love it. And last year, what did, you gave up? I gave up alcohol for 12 months. I didn't drink for 12 months. And uh, I don't know if that was a good thing. I was super productive. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's when I started running. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the alcohol, uh, we had a meeting. I'm not sure if you were there. Someone asked um, if you were going to do anything for your well-being next year, what would it be? And immediately it came to me, stop drinking alcohol. Yeah. Uh, and so I was like, well, why don't I try it? <clears throat> yeah, no, nah, we were, I, I know I was at an event with you where it was like a 20-course degustation. Oh, I know. And was, there was wine pairing with every single that one. That was the one you, time in a year. You were like, can I just smell your wine? And it was so just, I sniffed a lot of wine. Yeah, you were sniffing. <laughs> 
<laughs> the wine, but hats off to you. I've I've tried I tried two months without alcohol and it made me sort of realise how reliant we are sometimes on it. But also socially. Yes. I, when people would ask me if I wanted a drink, I would say, No thanks, I'm not drinking this year. Mm-hmm. And that seemed okay. Yeah. But I often find if I'm at an event I'm like, Oh no, I'm not drinking tonight mm-hmm. people are like, Come on. Yeah. Or they think you're pregnant sometimes. Right. Mm. It's like, no, I just don't want to drink tonight. Mm. I can have fun without it. And this year, what's the challenge for this year? I've got a couple. One I feel like I'm failing at dismally, speaking of failing. Yeah. Uh, I set out to run 1,000 kilometres this year. Mm-hmm. It's nearly the end of May and I'm not. I'm still in the, like, between 1,000 and 900. Okay. <laughs> So um, you and but uh, you did you were saying that you like were achieving some of the other things along the way though. I am reading yeah a book a week yeah or completing a book a week yes uh, and I'm up to about twenty now and so I'm ahead of that curve at least. Yeah, that's that's inspirational. The twenty books and your tip was how do how do you read so many books? I use Audible mm-hmm. and I've also found a library app called Libby where I can borrow audio books. Oh for wow! Free. Oh what? Uh huh. Oh my god. Yeah. Does so it cost? Does the app cost money? No. Wow. Mm. Got to get onto Libby. Yeah. And like, can everyone borrow yeah. the books if at the same time? Or no. It, oh wow. Yeah. So is there waiting lists yes. for books? There is. Okay. That's a trap for new players because I put like myself down for six books that were all due at the same time, and then I have to finish them all within set periods of time. Yeah. So I recently listened to half of a Winston Churchill biography, which was 40 hours <laughs> in the 21 days I had because there just wasn't yeah. enough time so to listen to. So I've now it's, I'm on the waiting list. Yeah, you've got to wait a year to read the next half of his autobiography. Correct. Cool. And on the topic of books. Yes. First of all, what's one book that, Every woman business owner should read. I read Lean In before mm-hmm. I started my business. It was when I was uh, on maternity leave after my first child. I read it and it absolutely changed my perspective about work Yeah, and I suspect business. So I, I do think everyone should read that book, uh, probably women and men. Yes, that's it. Yes, we have lots of men following us as well. And um, you write books as well. I do. Now, you've got a lovely book in front of you. Let's. Do you want to bring it up there? Or yeah, tell sure. Tell us about the books that you've written. Okay, why don't we start with that? Yes. So I started writing books because the law can be such a difficult thing for people to understand and an expensive thing for people to get advice on. So... I wanted to make it more accessible for people and the way I thought I could do that was by writing books. And one of the questions I kept getting asked when I first started my business was, what are my rights and responsibilities as a director? So there's a lot of academic sounding texts about that. Just wanted to write a guidebook that was easy for people to understand and so I did. It's called How to Avoid a Fall from Grace, Legal Lessons for Directors. And it was launched on my birthday in 2015 in Times Square. Oh, wow. It was really special. Uh, and it was an Amazon bestseller within a week. So that was a huge yes 
success. Yeah, that's awesome. And my second book, King, Kingpin, Legal Lessons from the Underworld, mm-hmm. is a risk management book about drug dealers, how they run their businesses and what us as ordinary citizens can learn from the policies and procedures that they use in their businesses. Yeah. And that was just a media sensation, that book. Yes. Not surprisingly. Yeah. It was around about the first season of Narcos coming out and uh, it was a hot topic. And then I wrote a book for doctors and medical practice owners about how to run their business in a legally compliant way as well because I know a lot of practitioners are they're experts in what they do and they aren't necessarily experts in running a business, so mm-hmm. I wanted to provide a guidebook for them. So that's the one I brought for you. Oh, wow. And it's wrapped. So I'm going to unwrap oh God, it. We've got the green in the background know, as look, well. It's, it's all meant to be. It is meant to be. It's themed. So Sarah's brought in, for the people listening, she's brought in, oh, ex- describe what you've brought in. I've yeah. brought in... Growing a, a medical practice. Of growing a medical practice mm-hmm. from frustration to a high-performance business. Love the high-performance business. And it's wrapped in a tea towel, you legal tea towel. Oh, wow. And you, you're, you're a lawyer. You have a law degree. Yeah. What does it say? <sighs> Keep your hands clean. And what does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. It's a lawyer joke. <laughs> I don't know the lawyer jokes. <laughs> in equity, what must you do? If a court is going to grant you keep your hands clean, yeah, you need to come with your hands clean, which means you need to do all of the right things. Love it to be granted what you're asking the court for. If you've been a bit shady yourself, you may not get what you need. Mm -hmm. That's just a reminder. Particularly, wash your dishes if you're a drug dealer. I guess. (laughs) Now, I've got so many questions. Had. How do you find the time to write these books? I wrote that book uh, on in December. Yes. Between 5 and 6 a.m. Yes. Every day of December, 30,000 words, 1,000 words a day. December, what year is this? Not like last year, ago? the year before. Okay. And um, you, you're going to do another book? Or? I don't know yet. There's nothing that's particularly grabbed me. Yes. And out of the three ones, which one do you think has been the most successful? It depends on how you... Look at success, I suppose. Yes. Uh, I That all have different things that have made them successful. Mm-hmm. Did one of the books lead to you meeting like someone famous or did something happen around one of the times like you met someone super famous? I did meet Oprah. Is yes. that who you mean? Yes. That, so, yes, I gave her a copy of my first book. And she gave me a copy of her book. Yeah. So that was pretty exciting. I love Oprah. She's incredible. Did any words of wisdom from Oprah, yes, your Oprah meeting? I did. I asked her how she managed to grow a high-performance team because at that time that was something. I just won my Telstra Business Women's Award. I just published this book and I knew I couldn't do everything on my own. And what she said is that until she had about 200 staff, mm-hmm. which is a lot of yeah. staff, she used to sit in on every single interview because she said she could just feel if people were right. Uh, and she said that in interviews, people always show you who they are and that you need to be really aware of that because you can't just say, oh, that they didn't mean that. That was a, a blip because mm-hmm. it'll come back to you as an employer and bite you. Mm-hmm. Keep your hands clean. Mm-hmm. And um, so what is your tip then for high performance? My performance team members, yeah. we have 
found with our lawyers that they all have very similar traits, uh, including marathon running. Oh, wow. Uh Uh-huh. So they're all pretty dedicated to... Yeah, very focused. Uh, They like to set goals and achieve them. They, yeah, they're just Mm -hmm. great at what they do. And how do you create that culture in your business? You've got how many team members do you have and they're like, how do you create the culture? So we have about 16 at the moment and they're based in five different countries. Wow. So how to... How to create cultures, obviously, yeah. one of the top things I think about. I do that through hiring for values, which I said earlier. Mm-hmm. Making sure that people match our values is incredibly important. And secondly, we we have meeting rhythms. So we have quarterly strategy sessions where we meet with everyone and brainstorm and work out what we're doing for the next quarter. And then our operations team meet weekly for a huddle as well. Mm-hmm. And those meeting ryth- rhythms, they're from the Rockefeller Habits, is yes, that right? Or? Yes, so Vern Harnish's. Yeah, cool. And I just want to, with the lawyer side, I was oh, like, I was entering into a law sort of meet. It was a liquidators, accountants, lawyers, and they're all in their black suits. Mm. And I just like, I was in, I don't know, I was in pink or a denim jacket or something like that. And I was like, wow, like I feel totally out of place here. Have you ever felt like that in the law? And what sort of like motivated you to just persist? I often feel like that. Yeah. Uh, And in fact, on Monday went to the swearing in of the new district court judge here in South Australia. Her name's Joanne Deuter. Mm -hmm. And I felt like that there, although a lot of people were robed because it was in court. I didn't have robes on, (laughs) but I did have colour on. Yeah. Um, But I don't. I just think you have to be yourself, and you have to live by your own rules sometimes. And you're not doing anything wrong by wearing a denim jacket. Maybe. <laughs> you just reminded me when I got sworn in a few months ago to the court. I like strategic was like I'm gonna wear my red dress and shoes. Uh, I think I wore like um, no, that would have been too much. <laughs> I wore like uh, tan coloured shoes, but when I got in there, I did not get the memo that everyone else was wearing like um, a black jacket or a jacket, and I had no jacket oh, on. No. And then my mum after was like, "You should have worn a jacket," and I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, well, I'm just being fab." <laughs> so. Yeah, but you you uh, like you speak at a lot of different things. You're on a few boards and everything like that. How do you find, um, yeah, sitting on those boards and giving back? How do I find yeah. it? Yeah, do I enjoy it? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think it, I I'm not the sort of person who could give back by working in a soup kitchen. I just wouldn't be coordinated enough to do that. Oh yeah, I hear. You. So I think I am very blessed to be able to use my other skills to yes. be able to um, work on on board. So I'm the chair of a board called the Catalyst Foundation. We help people get information, people with disabilities and people who are ageing, um, particularly vulnerable people in those categories, um, get information about how to do things, uh, how to find uh, homes or how to get around, how to use iPads, mm-hmm. sort those sorts of things. And uh, I'm also on the Education Standards Board, which licences childcare centres and schools. Awesome, love it. And what has gotten you through, when we talk about the entrepreneurial journey, there's those highs and those lows, 
What gets you through those low periods? I think looking back, you see that there's like that those low periods do feel so much lower than the highs feel high for me. And but when you look back, they don't, it all kind of blends together. So knowing that it's temporary and and feeling that way even if we have a quiet week now where we don't have many calls I I panic and I'm just like we're out of business what's going on and then the next week I'm so busy I can't keep up so just having a balanced view about Some things are going to be good. Some things are going to be bad. So when you have a shit day, you go hit the gym, you go to your yoga, you do your running. What do you sort of do to refocus? I don't know. I just go home to my family. And what I try and do is when I'm either running or at work or with my kids, I just try and do those things full out. Mm -hmm. So the power of now by Eckhart Tolle yes. talks about just do what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so you've talked about your family there. We mm. balance. Some people say balance is bullshit. We will soon hear your theory on how do you balance motherhood and running a business. <laughs> I think that for me it's blending rather than balance. Yes. I pick up the kids for their yoga class on Thursdays after school. I pick them up on Monday and take them to choir and then I work while they're at their choir. So having I ha- my husband has them on Saturdays and I have them on Sundays so that on Saturdays I can do runaround jobs or mm-hmm. catch up on work without having to also take care of them so that I can be focused on doing whatever I need to do. Yeah. It's... It's not easy and there's periods where I feel guilty or I'm, I've got a board meeting when they've got a performance and I've got, a, I've, I've got commitments that I've made to other people. So yeah. it's just all about communication, I think. And you try and take the kids along to like a lot of – they get a lot of overseas experiences yes. or a lot of different experiences. They come to conferences. That's Yeah. And your secret thug mum tip is there like what's your – Gold mum tip, really? Anything? Oh, oh my goodness. Um, bribery. <laughs> <laughs> so at the moment Your we're... bad mum tip is bribery. <laughs> at the moment what do they get bribed on? Well, okay, so at the moment we're trying to make the school drop-offs easier. We've got a reception and a year two. So the year yes. two, you know, he is a boss at school drop-off, just walks in the gate, no problems. Yeah. But the reception wants us to come to the door and wait and Mm. kiss and everything. So we're now trying to do that drop-off at the gate. Yes. And the bribery we're using is lunch orders. Oh, okay. So they get one a week or yeah. how many lunch orders so do they get? So if you do five, yes, you get a, you lunch, get a lunch order, order. On, Friday. on Friday. Oh, wow. Yeah. Is it working? It's working. <laughs> like a treat. <laughs> Thug mum tip, lunch orders. <laughs> <laughs> now, you've been a real inspiration and have made a personal change in my own life from something that you do as a family. To, and I've spoken briefly about it on one of uh, my episodes. Tell us about family meetings. So every week we have a family meeting. Mm-hmm. Sometimes my, my husband and I both travel a fair bit, so yeah. sometimes someone Skypes in for it. But we have an agenda mm-hmm. and uh, the kids then always know that our house 
isn't really a democracy, but there is certainly some elements of democracy where they now chair the meetings. Yeah. And they know what's going to happen for the next week and... There's lots of, and the other thing that I liked about it that you said is it's getting your kids used to meetings yeah, as well. And just like, I know for mine, just having to sit there mm. and like just ask questions, listen to other people. Mm. It was like a challenge in the beginning. It's a good thing to try it at different times of day. Sometimes yes. we do it at dinner time and the yeah. five-year-old ends up with her legs on the back of her chair and not really listening. Yes. So it is... Worth trying different yeah, types I, of. I know for my first one, and I like the agenda. You're, you share the agenda with me, so if anyone is interested, they can have an agenda. It's really cool. I actually record what my kids do, but my first one that I tried because I heard so much amazing things from you about it, and I thought, and you were talking about can, like candles. Oh, that's creating. they give feedback about what that how they would <laughs> prefer the meeting. Well, what could make the meeting better is yeah. one of the things, and so yes, candles. So was they one. wanted candles, and I was like, oh, this is gonna be. Amazing amazing experience <laughs> and my daughter was freaking out crying beforehand because she was in the pool and she was fighting with her niece in the pool so she was massively crying and in tears and then my son um, halfway through ran off and found a phone and then one of them needed to go to the toilet then they wanted something to eat and then they wanted <laughs> something to drink and it was the most horrible thing ever. The so first I was like, meeting? Yes, yeah, so I was like, I was telling friends, I'm like, yeah, after I had the family meeting, like it was shit, like yeah, it was terrible. But I persisted and now it is the most amazing thing I've ever done with my kids. And you can probably do it in 20 minutes, not an hour and a half yeah. like the first one. <laughs> yeah, we keep it real tight. Because they know. <laughs> if they focus, then they can yes. get back in the And point. like I wasn't, sometimes I wasn't consistent, but now I'm pretty consistent. But we do a one word close and just to hear their closes Feeling. that they say, it's like, wow. Oh, that's like really special. So I've got to thank you so much for the family oh, meetings one. It has changed like family dynamics. Um, you've spoken about David a little bit. I am keen to know. It was lovely. You shared a Facebook post. It was like your something marriage or something like that. 15 years since our first kiss maybe. Yeah, probably. <laughs> How cute. You can remember. He diarised it. Oh, really? Yeah, I did not. He was. He reminds me. He was pursuing you for a little bit. Is a that long right? time. Or? Yeah, we met at law school. Oh, law school, yeah. sweetheart. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and what is your goal? Like, what's your couple tip? Or we, I, I love that couple goals. Like, you and David are amazing partnership. David's equally amazing with the things that he does. What's your little secret sauce to make your relationship work and have what you have? We have a, a meeting every week too so we've got a, our meeting today at lunchtime mm -hmm. and I'm taking him somewhere fancy for lunch oh yeah it's been a while since we've done that we just usually do it at home when no one else is there to bug us mm -hmm. but uh yeah I think that you just have to keep communicating that's yes. been a really big lesson and we've got quite clear um roles in the house where I will do the washing and he will do the lunches mm -hmm. on lunch order day, but <laughs> la the lunches. So that that really helps knowing what is expected of you in a relationship, I think. So do you have any communication tips? Are there, like, are there rules around how you're allowed to, uh, how you communicate or? Rules around it. We have a shared list where we put things for the shopping. <laughs> <laughs> you and Dave are both so amazing that you're like, we. you guys one of the couples that say that you never fight? I wouldn't say that. I think that conflict is healthy. Yes, okay. To so, resolve things. Yes. Yeah. 
even though I don't think I'm great at conflict, mm-hmm. but I know that it's an important part of growth. So as in you try and avoid it or? I try to avoid it mm. or shut it down. Yeah. Which how, how are you working through that one? I am now aware of it. Mm-hmm. Only recently become aware of it. Yeah. Very aware of it. So I am trying to embrace it more rather than shutting it down or, or turning away from it. Mm-hmm. Very I find it even with clients. I don't, if, if it gets into dispute land, I'll get one of the other lawyers who's more experienced with disputes to deal with it. Yeah. Even though I was a litigator for five years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's probably, you t- probably touched on something that I like to do as well, is avoid a bit of conflict. Sometimes it's easier in the short term to avoid it, mm. but long term, mm. it's not good to be mm. avoiding that conflict. It usually will then spiral into something sort of bigger. Mm, exactly. Mm. Cool. And what do you think, being a lawyer and working with small businesses, um, what do you think is the biggest legal issue that we need to be on our game about that we might not have realised? There were some changes to the law last year in February that surround data breach notification Mm -hmm. and I don't know, I still don't think a lot of businesses are across that. So privacy and data breach and we've got clients that work uh, with kids Mm -hmm. so for them it's super important Um, but making sure that you know what to do if you had a data breach. And there's had lunch with a client yesterday whose personal bank account got, they changed the the SMS code Mm -hmm. to their number so that they could make transfers by getting into their work email. Okay. And searching the Mm -hmm. questions like mother's maiden name and the things that they ask. Oh. So... Being aware of what your staff are clicking on, being aware of what you're clicking on to have those sorts of things happen is such a risk now, a much bigger risk than probably leaving your laptop on the bus or Mm -hmm. um, having a cleaner looking at at private client things um, at night time, just that cyber warfare really. Yeah, and it is becoming a hot topic. I know um, I was sharing a story about how, just a random person in New South Wales um, received a text. They're not my client, but they received a text and it was from a website link pretending to be my business. And then so they were forwarding me this link. Um, like they did it, forwarded it me three times. And I'm like, what is going on? And so I had to call the client. Uh, it wasn't a client. I had to just call this person. It was an older person. And he, the wife's in the background like, oh, can you tell her to call her back later? Cause, and I just had to explain, listen, this is not, not me. Because he's like, can you remove me from your, your database? I'm like, this not is not data. me. You're not my database. Never heard of this person. And I'm like, oh, I haven't heard I haven't heard of this happening anywhere else. But, yeah, they're using a link with my business name in it. And, um, yeah, there's just been sometimes, oh, I'm getting really passionate and fired up about this because it's happened. I know um, like DocuSign had a scam thing going on where they, like someone pretended to be DocuSign and then sent out all these things to all these people um, and then people were, because we use DocuSign, Mm. um, so people were getting confused thinking it was something from us and it had nothing to do. It was a global scam. Um, and it's just look, being very aware of basically mm. anything and everything out there right now. Bit of a 
scary note. Mm, it is scary. Mm. And so now we met through EO. Um, do you want to maybe just give a background of what EO is? Sure. How long you've been in it and how it has helped you? Sure. So EO is the Entrepreneurs' Organisation. It's a member-to-member peer network of entrepreneurs that aims to be the most influential group of entrepreneurs in the world, I think. So it's a global community. Uh And I joined as a baby entrepreneur when my business was only a few months old. I joined the Accelerator program. So there's a nurturing program that EO runs, all volunteer-based. And that kind of works to take your business from a turnover of 250000 to a million. And the reason is that a, a business with a turnover of a million dollars is a lot more stable. You have people that help you. It's not all about you anymore. And so I joined that program uh, and did it for two years and then joined um, EO as a member about three years ago now. Yeah, it was pretty funny. You were saying your husband, what did your husband, yeah, what, he, what was the reason your husband, <laughs> he piloted the. He did in South Australia. He piloted the accelerator program and set it all up because it took him 10 years to grow his business from nothing to a million dollar turnover. And he said, I just don't want that to happen to you. And I was like, okay, that's nice. Looking after you. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> sometimes quick growth yeah sometimes quick growth is not good growth That's what right. what do you how do you sort of feel about growing so quickly uh i well thankfully i had him in my back pocket explaining the importance of not letting your debtors get out of hand and not mm-hmm. growing for growth's sake and yeah. finding the right clients and all that sort of stuff so we and now as a business we have um incredibly low ar days uh uh, our accountants are always amazed for a professional services firm how our numbers work, mm-hmm. uh, which is nice. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I learned a lot through that program and really recommend it for any business owner that's starting out and, and growing and wants to grow. Probably for a law firm as well. It's like you get the invoice in and you're like, ugh. I actually heard someone one time had um, green-brained their invoice and qu- the lawyer had called it a love letter. A <laughs> love note. Good. <laughs> so rather than an I'm invoice, not sure the tax office would is be that happy what you about call, it. Is that what you call it? No. <laughs> a love and note. And I'm not going Sarah's to love rebrand them. <laughs> um, so how has EO helped you uh, in your entrepreneurial journey then? A lot of ways. Mm-hmm. What? What we do is there's uh, eight of no- or nine of us that get together every month and we sort of talk about the issues that we're going through. And even though we're all in different industries, you can learn so much from mm-hmm. what other people are going through. And with certain size businesses, you have very similar issues, whether they're staffing or customers or the kind of software that you need to use. And you can learn so much from other people in that way. I think for me, really goal setting in the areas of community, personal, family and business has been huge. Integrating all of those into my life to have that blend that we talked about rather than just focusing on business, which I was for a long time. And and I'd burn myself out and Mm -hmm. then I'd get sick and then I'd be lying in bed for two days, not doing anything, feeling bad about that. So that's been a really big change for me. Yeah, I know when I um, first joined, I was like, wow, there is, because yeah, you share a lot, you share a lot about your experiences. And I was like, wow, 
other people have gone through the same yeah, crap I have gone I'm through. Not alone. Uh, yeah, I'm not alone. That was just such an enlightening, ex- like, wow, there's other people out there as crazy as me, mm-hmm. Sarah included. Yeah, exactly. Now, we touched on this beforehand, and I really want to bring it up because I'm such an advocate for financial independence for women. Mm. So tell us about... You mentioned you were a DJ. I was a DJ. Tell us about why you were a DJ because ah. that is like full on. And then, Learning things about me. Yeah. And then. There's a picture. Oh, you got a picture? I do have a picture. Oh, okay. Cool. Of me as a DJ. Did you get many, like, do you ever want to go back to it? Oh, we need to, you need to How put it up to it? the camera up there. Up to the camera. That one there. There we go. That's at a wedding at McGill Estate. Wow. Yeah. There we go. That's Sarah in her element. Did you have a DJ? Did you have a DJ I name? Did. What was your DJ name? <laughs> so my maiden name is Sarah Graves. Yes. And my DJ name was Ms. G V S. Oh, that's why. That's what's on your Instagram. Yes, it's my Instagram handle. Oh uh, yes, yes. If you want to find her on Insta, Ms. G V S. <laughs> okay, but why? Let's why go did to I? Why did you do? There was a woman who I worked with at the time mm-hmm. who. Her and her husband are both tax people and they had paid off their house before they had children mm-hmm. and they said it was amazing. It just gave them huge amounts of freedom when uh, Alison was going to have her maternity leave. She didn't really have to worry about going back to yeah. work, even though they love working as well. So they were never, she was never not going to go back to work, mm-hmm. but... So I, I really wanted to, before we had kids, pay off our house. So you were working as a lawyer during the day and a DJ <laughs> during the night, <laughs> mostly on weekends. <laughs> Love it. And so what is your tip or for, because, yeah, what's your tip for women around their finances and their money? What advice do you have? I th- I've always been someone who's been like really interested in that as a kid when I read Robert Kiyosaki's yeah. book and I read that book every year as a refresher. Rich Dad, Poor Dad? Or Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Every quadrant? Not every. Oh, like as in your, the quadrants, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I really believe in superannuation and making mm-hmm. sure you're across your insurances, yep. particularly before you have kids, I found. When I had children, my health profile changed significantly yes. and all my insurance is now a lot more expensive. So yeah. having that in place and um, working as a team, yeah. which we didn't initially because Dave had a business, I was an employee, so we didn't mix our money. Mm-hmm. But after we got married, we did, and, and that was a new thing to learn about how to manage money as a couple. Yes. Oh, that's one thing. In your family meeting, you have something, and I don't understand what it's about. There's okay. a money area there or something. Is. What is that about? So we, about two years ago, read The Barefoot Investor, mm-hmm. which I know it's a cult, but I am a member of it. Awesome. And we then read Barefoot for Families. And so that we talk about pocket money. So they get pocket money based on how old they are and doing their jobs and yeah. um talk about that and talk about they talk about if we were going to go on a holiday how much would ne- would we need to save and what would we need to give up to save those things so it, instead of going to latitude which is a yes place where people bounce and climb and fly um what could we do to save the say 50 dollars that would cost us this saturday instead and we'll 
pack a picnic and go to the park instead and we'll put that $50 aside for the holiday. And they see then how long things take to save up Mm -hmm. for, what you have to give up to be successful if that's what the success looks like going on a family holiday. Uh, And also then talk about the pocket money as well. Yeah, awesome. And as part of your EO, you are actually – you link up with an Asian, like an Asia forum. Like yeah. how has it been linking up with, is it all women or? No, it's uh, a, it's called Asia Bridge Forum and yes. we have three forums a year. Yes. The next one's in Brisbane, which is nice to have uh, an Australian one. And so it's the same thing that we do here. There's actually 14 of us because not everyone can make it every time. Mm-hmm. And I learn about how to run businesses in, they're all from, dif- all, there's only two from each country. So um, they're from China, Korea, Malaysia, mm-hmm. Japan. Um, so learn that they all have the same experiences as us, even though some of them run incredibly big and complex businesses yeah. um, and understanding from a cultural point of view how we're different and, and how, how Asian people lead differently to mm-hmm. Australians or Americans has been so valuable, just feel a lot more like a global citizen being part of that group. Yeah. Is there any key takeaway or something that you like that you've learned from, um, from the group? I think uh, the I think how they lead is quite different. So I was looking for someone to take over as the the leader of that that group, and no one was putting their hand forward. And we spent ten minutes. I was just waiting for someone to nominate themselves. And at the end, they were like, "Well, why don't we just say this role is the, then the incoming? So the treasurer is then the incoming moderator." And um, afterwards he came up to me and said, oh, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be after you. And I was like, why didn't you just put your hand up? Yeah. And he said, oh, we don't do that. Wow. Hmm. They want to be chosen or in the, in this group. That's how, how it worked. I, I don't want to generalise. But so that's been really interesting. And also the the difference I see in our business group from theirs is how family business operates there and the obligations that people feel from a family perspective mm-hmm. that I don't necessarily see in Australian businesses. Yeah. They might be there, but it seems the obligation seems different. And when I was so having that global perspective and then when I was researching you, I didn't realise you were actually in different countries. Do you see what's your sort of outtake on a global business do you see yourself expanding or how has that been for you legal i don't see that it's easy to expand internationally yeah. because we uh, well i i understand the law here in australia mm-hmm. and i don't know that I, I yeah i can't see us expanding past uh australia even though we have a lot of lawyers who work from overseas because they are married to people who are working in different countries um but yeah no okay yeah that i'd love i'd love to have a global aspect to it but same thing with my business it's like i know the tax in australia Mm. really well just keeping up with that Mm. is hard enough Mm. let alone trying to learn like anything else Mm. it's just like no 
Texas. Just Maybe New Zealand way. to start. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I've got to think of another global way to sort of mm, expand. Like a podcast or something. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah good idea. <laughs> and now, final question. Is there anything I should have asked but haven't yet? Oh, I don't think so. But there is a quote that or um, a definition I came across recently that I thought you would really like. Mm -hmm. It's from the Oxford Dictionary. I love Oxford Dictionary. Yeah, it's a verb, which is a doing word. Okay. It's persevere. Mm -hmm. And the definition is to continue in a course of action, even in the face of difficulty or with little or no indication of success. That's a tough one, hey, to keep on persevering. Yeah, and not knowing what the outcome's going to be. Is there a time where you have persevered and sort of not realised or known what was actually going to come of that? I think every day. <laughs> <laughs> never know what's going to come out. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast Thanks today. Thanks for having me. Totally inspired. Actually, I will ask one last question. Your productivity or daily rituals Mm. what do you do on a daily basis for your own peak performance in the morning I have a morning routine that I do every day it's called 10 10 10 so I meditate for 10 minutes Mm -hmm. I write a gratitude journal for 10 minutes everything I'm grateful for which puts my brain in a positive point of view for the whole day and I listen to or read something for 10 minutes that is inspiring or positive. So that always sets my day in the right direction. I love that. I'm writing that down now. That's awesome. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. Everyone that's watching on Facebook too. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We are getting awesome feedback from our viewers and listeners and we want to hear from you. What was your key takeaway, your lessons learned, something you can relate to or your aha moment and share it on our Facebook and Instagram. You can also visit our sistersthatslay.com.au website to see what we've been up to. This podcast has been brought to you by Miriam's business, Fab Tax Accountants. We make your life easier, keep your books clean and accounting and tax can even be fun so you can love your numbers.